Guys, welcome back to Lunch with PB&J. So glad that you're joining us this week. Uh, if you joined us last week, then you know that we started a brand new bedtime story where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Last week, we looked at it a little bit in Matthew mm -hmm. and Mark. It kind of gave some context, some leading up to it. A couple really, uh, what I thought were really interesting points that I had never seen before that kind of lead into the story. But today, we're going to jump into John's account. Uh, and uh, man, so much revelation that comes through it. And so we're going to be talking about this today. One of my favorite points, uh, you saw it on the title, Can't Never Could. <laughs> we're going to explain what that means. Welcome to Lunch with PB&J. So we're going to dive into John right here. And again, John skips all the information about John the Baptist um, and the disciples returning from ministry. Mm -hmm. He, he kind of skips over all that part of the beginning of this story. And again, it's because he's, he's so focused on Jesus, mm -hmm. on what Jesus is doing, which is this common theme in his gospel. And so we're going to pick up John chapter 6. Uh, starting at verse 1, and we're going to read the story now from there. It says, After this, Jesus crossed over to the far side of the Sea of Galilee, also known as the Sea of Tiberias. Uh, I think I used to know a guy named Tiberius. A huge crowd kept following him wherever he went because they saw his miraculous signs as he healed the sick. Then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. It was nearly time for the Jewish Passover celebration. Do you want to stop there? Mm, or want me to keep going? You can finish that out. All right. Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? He was testing Philip, for he already knew what he was going to do. Mm -hmm. So it, this, it stands out to me, even that kind of that picture when it says, verse 3, it says, then Jesus climbed a hill and sat down with his disciples around him. Mm -hmm. And I just get this image of like everything Jesus did was a teaching moment. Yeah. You know, for his disciples. Everything. That's what he was doing. Yeah. yeah. And I just, I don't know, I get this picture of here. They're traveling together. They go and they sit up up on a hill and he calls them to himself and you just get this teaching kind of mentality and even as it goes uh you know he says turning to philip he asked him where can we buy bread and feed all these people and so you know i think we can't forget that jesus was called rabbi yeah he was called teacher he's a he's a teacher and every teacher has their own method of how they teach how they test you know and so, like, I identify with that because I'm a teacher, right? So everything in my life, you know, is a teaching moment for my kids. And mm -hmm. so when <laughs> when I see something going on, I, I it's just like light bulb, light bulb. Um, a lot of times it's not just education with school books, but it's like life stuff, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so I just go into this teaching mode. But I feel like that's what we're seeing here with Jesus of, yes, we're about to see a miracle. And it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be talked about. You know, like we're talking about it now for years to come, but it's this thing where it was a teaching moment for mm -hmm. these 12 guys and what God wanted to to show them in this. And that's why I think we were pulled to 
reading it out of John. Yeah. Because you see that teaching thing that God's about to do. Well, that's, and that's, so it's, it is, because it's, it's John's gospel is the only one that says it this way, is he turned to Philip and asked him, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? And he, it's, the next verse says he was testing Philip, Mm -hmm. for he already knew. So it's the only, it's the only account that says that Jesus asked this question as a test. Yeah. Now the significance of him asking Philip. Mm-hmm. So you might have might have thought, man, how'd Philip get thrown under the bus, right? <laughs> the reason for that is because, and again, John gives this description as to where they are when this happens. Okay, right. so if you read the first couple of verses there, he gives this description about where they are. Uh, some of the other gospels as well. Uh, in in Luke, I'm looking at it here. It says they see. Then he slipped quietly away with them toward the town of Bethsaida. Mm-hmm. So that's all significant information mm-hmm. because if you go back to the beginning of the Gospel of John, uh, back to, I believe, chapter 2 mm-hmm. of, of the Gospel of John, it's where Jesus starts calling the first disciples or the first disciples start to follow him. Yeah. Well, one of the first disciples to follow Jesus was Philip. Who was from, you read this in John chapter 2, a town called Bethsidia. Bethsidia. All right. So here we are now. We go forward a few chapters. Here they are sitting on this hill. There's this crowd of people. And he turns to Philip, the disciple that would know that area better than anybody else. Right. Philip would know where the best restaurants he were. He might as well said, hey, Philip, you're from here. Philip, you're from the, these parts here, aren't you? <laughs> you hail from this region. Like, what's around here? Where's a good place Who to get some meat? the best barbecue? Where's the, yeah. <laughs> where can I get a good steak around here, all right? Because um, they, they're Jewish. They don't eat barbecue, Joy. <laughs> oh, sorry. Um, so <laughs> My bad. Uh, not the pork barbecue. Anyway, not the good pulled pork that, that you get when Look, you're from, distracted from North really Carolina. Fast. It's almost supper time when we're recording this, all right? It's not actually lunch. It's more like dinner with PB&J today. Um, so it's just kind of interesting because he is the guy to ask, right. like, hey, where's the nearest grocery store? Where's the nearest market? Philip was the guy that would know there was no natural, no possible way right. that they could feed all of these people. And so that's the test. Yeah. The test is, okay, I'm going to do something. Says he already knew what he was going to do. Jesus already knew right. he was going to feed the crowd. And so he asked the guy that knows the area better than anyone. Because mm-hmm. if he'd asked anybody else, they could have they could have said, oh, man, let me, let me go find out. Maybe someone, somebody in the crowd knows, all right? Mm-hmm. Um, but he asked the guy, because he's just trying to, he doesn't want to waste a lot of time here. It's been a long day. People are hungry at this point. Well, let's, let's move this thing along. So he asked Philip. And Philip's response, look at Philip's response, verse 7. Philip replied, even if we worked for months, mm-hmm. we wouldn't have enough money to feed them. Yeah. Talk about long-term hopelessness, all right? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, he doesn't just go, uh, yeah, there's nowhere to buy anything. He's like, listen, even He's if there the was. He's done the math. Apparently. He's like, even if there was some place to go and get all this food, which... Um, one of the commentaries I was reading said they were about nine miles from Bethsaida. Okay. All right. So from the nearest like good sized town, they're about nine miles away from, from Philip's area there. But it's Phil's response is immediately mm-hmm. where a lot of us go yeah. when Jesus asks us questions about, yeah. Hey, do you think you could do, Hey, this is what I want you to do. This is what I want to do. And, and we oftentimes have the same response that Philip has. Mm-hmm. 
I don't have the resources. Well, is this is a not only can, is it a no, it's a we couldn't. What does he say? If we worked for months, we yeah. still couldn't. There's no way. People. Yeah. Jesus, there's no way we can do this. Yeah. There's no way that we can do this. And that is Philip's response. Our response too is often the same. Is it, it when it comes to, um, you know, really getting directions from God, whether that's uh, about our purpose. We And this is the thing. We always pray about purpose. We always talk about, God, I just want to know what my purpose is. God, give me direction for my life. God, give me guidance for my life. What do you want me to do? And then God tells us and we're like, oh, but God, I can't do that. I can't do that. I don't have the resources for that. God, I don't have the talent for that. God, that's not my personality. God, that's that's I, I don't have the the support of my family to go and do something like that. I don't have here it is. I don't have the time. Ooh. Ain't nobody got time for that. I just saw that clip again the other day. It's an old news the that went around forever in Tennessee. Anyway, um, I, ain't no one got time for that, Jesus. I don't have time for that. That's a big one, right? I just don't have time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to be a hard thing. <laughs> I wrote this down. I think that's going to be a hard thing when we stand before Jesus one day and he's like, hey, remember that time? Because I remember that time. And we're going to be like, and he's going to say, remember I asked you to do this thing and, and your response was, I don't have time. Yeah. You know, I will do it. I just don't have time right now. Yeah. I don't have the resources right now. Yeah. And I talked about this uh, at, at our church on Sunday, talking about divine moments. Um, of just these these times, if God leads you to a place for a reason, yeah. He's going to give you all that you need. Yeah. But Jesus wanted to see the response of Philip. It was a test. He already knew what he was going to do, and Philip's response is, "We just don't have it. Right. We just we can't do it. Mm-hmm. We can't do it." I think like it stood out to me again what he's saying there. Of you know, he's coming up with this this excuse. And I wrote down, you know, have you ever told God, I don't have what it takes? Mm-hmm. And I start replaying in my head, you know, because in, in here it says, you know, even if we work for months, we couldn't have enough money to feed them. If you go to the other gospels, um, it says, but we only have five loaves and, and two, five loaves of bread and two fish. So it's this thing of, I don't have what it takes. I don't have enough. And so I start replaying in my head, just um, like all the people in the Bible who have just basically come to God and said that they don't have what it takes. Mm -hmm. You think about, like I thought about Moses, you know, Moses says, I can't speak right. I stutter. Uh, You have Jeremiah. I'm too young to be a prophet. You have Mm -hmm. Gideon. I'm the weakest. I'm the, I'm the least in my family. You know, I can't be a warrior. You have Sarah. I'm too old, you know? And I think about my own life, how many times I've told God, I don't have what it takes, right? I don't have enough. But as you're looking at that, (laughs) The, the answer to that is God already knows what we have. Yeah. He's God. He's Jesus. He already knows what we have and what we don't have. And so I think the bigger question is, or what he's asking us is, do we have faith? Yeah. That's well, what that's he's good. looking yeah. for. So like he already knows our limitation and he already knew their limitation here. But as we keep going, uh, you know, it's this neat part where Andrew says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and he says, there's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. But what good is that to this huge (laughs) crowd? And I read his response and I'm like, well, he's a little better than Philip. Oh, no, I thought so. Yeah. yeah. But at the same time, he's still going, but what good is it? But I kind of identify with Andrew of just saying, I don't have much, God, but here it is. Yeah. 
there's a, a song I'm listening to right now. And it's just, uh, I'll get stuck on a song because it just kind of is where I'm at in life. And mm-hmm. it just speaks to me so much. But the name of it is I Don't Have Much. And it's by Mission House. Yeah. But it's just so simple. And it's basically saying, I don't have much. I but what I song. give yeah. you, yeah. you know, but I give, I have a heart to give to you. And so I, I feel like that's kind of Andrew's response here is, you know, here's a little boy's lunch, but I don't know what good it is to you. Yeah. But I think the amazing part is that's still an act of faith. Right. To say, I don't have much, but here it is. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I guess that's where we can continue reading right there. Yeah. No, I, I just, because you kind of, into that second verse as well, is you mentioned this the other day. We were reading through this, and Joy said, What was that thing that Josh used to always say in staff meetings? Right, and right. so I had uh, the pastor that I worked for, uh, huge visionary, the, the pastor that we worked for the last church we were at, massive visionary. And we used to establish, we established kind of a rule. In our staff meetings, when when it, especially when it came to talking about vision and new ministries or doing an event even, yeah. where it's like we're gonna do something that that's never been done in this area before, and he had an expression. I don't know if it's a widespread expression. <laughs> I don't know if Josh has said. It. I don't know if it's a southern thing or what. But um, he used to always say, and and we started adopting this as yeah. a uh, as a statement. Which, and so here it was, it was, it was like somebody would present an idea. So somebody would come and say, hey, how are we going to feed all these people? Yeah. And there would be a Philip in the group that would say, there's no way we can do this. Yeah. And the response became, can't, never could. <laughs> you heard me. <laughs> right. Can't, never could. Can't, never could. And the point behind that was, is if all you're ever going to say is can't, mm-hmm. you'll never accomplish anything. Mm-hmm. If your immediate answer is when, when, when God says, hey, I want you to do this, or somebody asks you, hey, can you help with this? And your answer is immediately, I can't because, right. and you have this list of excuses. Yeah. As Joy said, like, uh, like as you were talking, I just thought, you know, God knows our imperfections. God knows our inabilities, but he also knows. It said Jesus knew what he was going to do. Yeah. God knows what we can't do already, yeah. but he also knows what he what can, he can do That's good. and what he is going to do. Yeah. And so when he asks you to do something, he knows your limitations, but he knows what he's going to do to push past those limitations. But if all you're ever going to say is can't, can't never could. Then he'll use somebody else. Can't never could. (laughs) Can't never could. And so it's this, what what, what we shifted to and what I think we need to shift to as well is this idea of what we would talk about then. It became, okay, you cannot say the word can't. You can't say can't. All right. It's the only can't that ever Did could. Did you scared in the staff meetings at that well, point? Well, it was funny because, I mean, listen, you know, Josh was an intense man at times, uh, and especially in staff meetings. Um, and so he would kind of, we'd every once in a while, we'd get, we'd get the sermon on can't, never could. And so then everybody, you could see it and hear it in people's voices of Jim trying to formulate a sentence yeah. How can that I didn't this? use the word can't. And so, but really all we were trying to accomplish was this idea of just erase the word can't. Mm -hmm. Just pretend can't doesn't exist Mm -hmm. and instead ask, what do we need to do to make this happen? Mm -hmm. But to me, it goes back to to that statement of just like, stop thinking only possible because the God wants to do impossible things. So stop thinking in the vein of only possible. And that's crazy to the world. Yeah. But... We're not the world. Right. We have something that is like 
We have Jesus. Yeah. And so this is what's interesting. So I was going to put these two verses together anyway that you just read about Andrew. Because so you kind of got to look at like this in the story. So Jesus comes and he he points out Philip. Now he's obviously calling Philip out in the middle of the group because Andrew responds. But (laughs) uh, he asks Andrew, how can we feed them? Yeah. Specifically, where can we buy the bread? So he's asking, how can we feed all of these people? Mm-hmm. Knowing that there wasn't a place to do that. Mm-hmm. And then Philip says, well, that even if we had all the money in the world, like even if we had worked for two months, <laughs> we still couldn't afford to do all of this. So yeah. see, we, we see lack of provision in many different ways. Yeah. He sees it financially. Yeah. It just We don't have the money. Even if there was a place, we don't have the money to do this. Um, and so the next question then, but this has to become our thought process is, okay, if I don't have what logically I need, then what do I have? Mm -hmm. You know, if God's asking me to do something and I don't think I can do it, Mm -hmm. what can I do? What, what, if I don't think I have all that it takes to do it, what do I have? Mm -hmm. And this is where Andrew steps in. Mm -hmm. Andrew steps in. And as you just read a second ago, Andrew speaks up and says, uh, there's a kid here with five loaves of bread and two fish. But what good is that with this huge crowd? Yeah. And so he comes in tentative. He comes in like <laughs> like he's already apologizing, going, guys, I know this is a stupid <laughs> idea. I don't even know why I'm saying this. But somewhere in the back of Andrew's mind is, this is Jesus. I And I just even think the faith, though, to present. Because, yeah. again, no, just the way absolutely. you worded that of just it's almost like if, this, if you're looking at, th- at it through the natural, it's a stupid thing to bring up. Yeah. But when you're looking at it with with a, a mustard seed of faith, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, here's this, you know, yeah. that tentative. So, yeah, I don't know. I still see the faith in it. I, I It's absolutely a faith thing because, one, this is where sometimes we lack faith. Yeah. Is we're afraid that if we step forward, yeah. we're going to get ridiculed. Yeah. Could you imagine Andrew, who is a guy? Listen, <laughs> Andrew's not one of the leaders in the group. You don't hear much about Andrew, mm-hmm. right? You hear this. And Andrew, so if you can imagine Andrew stepping through the crowd yeah. of disciples as they're having this little huddle and just going, oh, man, <laughs> this could get like, in a, you just play out the scenario in his yeah. head of like, I'm going to look like an idiot. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to look like an idiot. This is stupid. <laughs> this is dumb. I shouldn't do this. But faith says, mm-hmm. I'm going to bring what I can find. Mm-hmm. What do I have? Mm-hmm. Right. And this is what Jesus asks is, what do you have? Yeah. All right. Uh, and, and so don't say can't just. Listen, what Andrew brings, let's just be honest, is not a great solution, Mm -hmm. but it's something. It's something. It's not saying can't. Yeah. Because joy. Can't, never could. Can't, never could. That's got to be Southern. (laughs) (laughs) Before we keep going, too, like as you're talking, I'm thinking about something, too, that... um, you know, you mentioned in this in your sermon Sunday of just the the idea of callback. Callbacks yeah. are where you know you have, maybe you can explain it better. Which is like something that you're you're just calling back to something that's already been said. Yes, yes. And it, yeah. but when you do a callback, it it makes whatever's happening just a deeper, more meaningful, more yeah. meaningful. Yeah. yeah. So for me, I'm thinking of a callback that they would have that should have happened for them, um, and maybe that was what was happening for. Andrew at this point, but if you go to John chapter two, I think two, I don't, I don't have it on my notes here, but it's the wedding in Canaan. Yeah. And so it, it basically says, you know, we know the story of the wedding at Canaan. It was Jesus's first recorded miracle. 
and it's Jesus turning the water into wine. And so the interesting part for me about that is that Jesus was invited to this wedding, but his disciples were also. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't just Jesus at this wedding. His disciples were with him. They saw it. And so yeah. they would have seen him taking these jars of water and turning them into wine. They would have seen this miracle of multiplication. Mm-hmm. Just like we're about to see a miracle of multiplication. Yeah. They would have seen it. So just thinking about that callback of, you know, that should build our faith. And 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 as Andrew presents these loaves and fishes, who knows? Maybe that's what's going through his mind of, mm-hmm. hey, one time, one time we were at this wedding yeah. and I saw Jesus. He made water. He just made water turn yeah. into wine. Yeah. You know, so it's just this. Um, and I think that's what we should do in our own life. Absolutely. Have callback yeah. moments where it's like, oh, you know, I know this This seems like an impossible situation that I'm in now. I know my marriage seems like an impossible situation or my kids are acting crazy or this is going on, that's going on, or I don't have the finances. Or, But when we have callbacks to things God's done in the past, mm-hmm. it can give us that mustard seed of faith yeah. to present him with the little that we have, you yeah, know? Absolutely. And I think, I think it's just... Again, it's it's practically if if God puts something in your heart to do, mm-hmm. you have to understand that He's going to He's going to fill in the the blanks. Yes, He's going to fill in the gaps, and so you have a choice. You can react like Philip, mm-hmm. say it can't be done. God, that's a huge vision. Yeah. That's a huge step of faith that you want me to take, God. That's a huge ask. Mm-hmm. Sometimes can, it's just a big ask. And you can ask. be like Philip and overthink things. And overthink it and, and say, I can't do it. Or you can be like Andrew and just go, listen, I'm not even sure what this is. Mm-hmm. But here, mm-hmm. here's what I've got. In in poker. <laughs> oh, my. Because <laughs> this relates so well. In, in, in playing cards, playing poker, they call it having a chip in a chair. Okay. As long as you have a chip and a chair, a seat at the table, and one chip, you're not out. Okay, yeah. You can't be counted out. Yeah. And there's people that want to give up and throw in the towel because they don't feel like they have enough. Yeah. But as long as you have a chip and a chair, yeah. you're in. <laughs> you got a way to keep going. You got a way to keep going forward. And and so that's, it can't, never could, just simply means something is better than nothing. Yes. Present something. Yes. Do Something. I always tell people when when they feel like God's put a vision in their heart, they have a they have a heart to do something. They feel like God's calling them. That it just seems so big. Mm-hmm. I'm like, don't focus on the end. Focus on the next step. Right. What is the next step? Right. This doesn't seem like much in the scope of what you feel like God's saying or or what He's going to do, but it's something. Right. Just remember this: if we offer nothing, that's exactly what it will produce. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Mm-hmm. But if you offer something. Mm-hmm. If you just give what you have, he has the tools to work with that. He reminds me and of to do something the even great. Parable of the talents where the dude Absolutely. hides it, yeah. right? He yeah. produces nothing because he hides it. Yeah. So we have different faith levels uh, <laughs> as you're talking about. You got Philip, we need cash. <laughs> we got the boy, I've got my lunch. Yeah. And you got Andrew. He has to bring it to Jesus. Yeah. Right? It doesn't look like much, but it's all Different levels of faith. Let's keep going. Um, so then Andrew, uh, Jen, Andrew, yeah, we read that. But what good is that with this huge crowd, the, the, the lunch? Verse 10, Jesus speaks. Tell everyone to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes. 
the men alone numbered 5,000. What that means is that it wasn't just a men's conference, okay? <laughs> it wasn't just a bunch of dudes there. It was men probably with their wives, probably with their kids. Um, so you're looking at a number, I mean, just somewhere between probably ten to 15,000 wow. is a safe estimate yeah. uh, of people that were there. Because if just some of the guys were married, that uh, that that almost doubles it. Yeah. If some of them were married and had one or two kids, right. that just keeps escalating the number. So most experts say there's probably actually between... 10 to 15,000 people that yeah. are there listening to Jesus teach and he's doing meal. You can, now you start to see y'all were knocking Jesus in the beginning, weren't you? <laughs> just going, man, Jesus is just long winded teaching all this stuff. There was 10 to 15,000 people he was praying with. Right. All right. So anyway, uh, then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. Afterward, he did the same with the fish and they all ate as much as they wanted. Mm-hmm. So, I, I put this down. Verse 10, it says that, that Jesus said, tell everyone to sit down. I read that. And again, just kind of a, a new look at that of just this idea that um, when you're truly walking in faith, mm-hmm. there is a level of expectation mm-hmm. that you live with. Yeah. You said a little while ago, um, or, or, or at this point, it was probably the last episode, um, <laughs> that the people could have left. Mm-hmm. Anytime they wanted to, they could have left. Mm-hmm. They could have just walked away. If they're, they're getting hungry, they could have gone into town themselves. They could have left for home. They could have went back to wherever they came from to get something to eat. They chose to stay. Mm-hmm. And now Jesus says, hey, everybody take a seat. Something's going to happen. Yeah. And there's an expectation that's there when people sit down. Right. Right. <laughs> there's an expectation. I mean, I, I see it in church mm-hmm. of, of at the end of a service. You know, we'll, we'll get done the worship. I'll get up to close the service. Some people sit, mm-hmm. some people stay standing. Cause it's like, I'm just, I'm not expecting you to say anything real important here. So I'm just going to stay on my feet so I can walk out the door as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Other people sit down because it's like, you're going to say something that I want to hear. Mm-hmm. It's an expectation. And so with Jesus here, you see in the crowd, there's an expectation. The disciples had to tell the crowd. This is ten to 15,000 people, right? <laughs> they had to go around and it gets organized because yeah. it says, uh, I don't think it says it in this gospel, right? It doesn't say it here, but if you read it in the other gospels, right. it says they sat down in groups of 50s or hundreds. and hundreds. Yeah. And so this is an organized little sit down that yeah. they're about to have here. Yeah. And uh, But it, there's an expectation. Right. Listen, if you want to see Jesus do something great, there has to be a level of expectation yeah. where even if you don't see it yet... You sit down because you're expecting something to happen. Isn't this what devotions are all about? Yeah. Spending time with Jesus in prayer, sitting down to read the Bible, taking the time, even when you're tired, it's been a long day, you're hangry because you haven't eaten and you're getting (laughs) irritated and you're like, well, I got to eat first. No, you sit down and with an, you come into the word of God, you come into church with an expectation. I'm going to sit down in front of Jesus. Yeah. And I'm expecting something. What would have happened if they wouldn't have put themselves to listen to his instruction long enough Mm. to put themselves in a place to receive? And we may not think that's a big deal, but how many times does God want to pour out a blessing for us and we don't put ourselves in the position to receive the blessing? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Uh, verse 11 said that he, he gives thanks. He takes this, this kid's lunch. <laughs> Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks to God. Yeah. And again, just 
this is common sense stuff, guys, but I think it's important that we focus in on it. It's mm-hmm. just he gives thanks for provision and for a miracle that's about to happen. Yes. And I think sometimes when we pray, we need to understand that that's that's sometimes how we need to pray as well. Yes. Is to give thanks for what we have. And then we give thanks because he's going to do something with it. Right. We're going to bring what we have to Jesus. And, and we're going to say, God, I, Jesus, I, I give you thanks for what I have. Yeah. We need to stop looking down on ourselves and being in this little pity party about everything that we see in ourselves. And, oh, I don't have enough. I can't because can't never could. <laughs> I can't do this. I can't do that. Instead of saying I can't all the time, start to speak from in our prayer meeting a couple weeks ago. I said that on, I said, I feel like we just need to start to give thanks. Yeah. Come to Jesus from a perspective of thanks of, I thank you for what I have. I thank you for what you're doing. I thank you for what you've done. And I thank you for what you're going to do right. in expectation of what's going to come. Right. I don't know which gospel I'm sitting here looking for, which gospel it's in. It's either Matthew or Mark, the way it's worded for what I'm looking for. But it's this idea of when Jesus, Jesus blesses this bread and fish and then Jesus touches it breaks it apart and into pieces and he distributes it. Mm-hmm. And so it just, it gives me this just visual of like, this is why we cannot do things on our own. We need God's blessing. He's the one that, that the miracle flows through. He's the miracle. He's the one where the, the miracle comes through him. Mm-hmm. It doesn't come through us. And, and yes, you're, you see where, um, you know, the disciples did miracles, but why did they do miracles? Because Jesus gave them the authority to do miracles, yeah. to, to, to do these things in his name. But just in understanding in this, in this story and seeing it, just, I'm just getting that visual of Jesus breaking the bread and blessing it. And he's the one distributing it to, you know, he's handing it to the disciples and mm-hmm. they're distributing it to the people. And I just think that that's, that has to be where we stay with our relationship with God. We, we've got to stop operating in what we think we can do because it's not in our power. It's not in our ability. It's it's through Jesus that these things are going to happen, right? Mm. That's good. Yeah. And so uh, it goes on, verse 11 again. I'm just kind of stuck. A couple of things in verse 11. It says he distributed, as you said, he distributed them to the people afterward. He did the same with the fish and everyone, and, and they all ate as much as they wanted. They were stuffed. And I, I love this because again, this is, we can blow past these little things here. <laughs> all right. We can just blow past some of these little comments because we get familiar with stories. Yeah. Um, and I just, I wrote this, you know, in my notes, I said, you know, when God provides, it's always more than enough. Mm-hmm. Now, sometimes, yeah. We read the verse. I always use the verse, my grace is enough. Mm-hmm. In other words, when you're going through something and you're asking God to, sometimes God says, you know what? My grace is enough. But when God provides, mm-hmm. it's always it's always enough. It, yeah. And it wasn't just what I loved about this, though. It, it was more than enough. Mm-hmm. It wasn't. In other words, it's not just what they needed. Mm-hmm. It was more, as much as they wanted. Mm-hmm. And so, cause that's what it says. It says he distributed afterwards. Uh, he distributed them after blah, 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 And they all ate as much as they wanted. wanted. Yeah. They want it all that they wanted. And I just, I love the thought of that, that Jesus didn't just, it wasn't just enough. It wasn't people like tearing off a little piece yeah. and just getting enough to get by. Well, until they even got the home. worry of we've got 15,000 people. Is there going to be enough for everybody? Yeah. There wasn't that, Hey, let's, you know, you may or may not get your portion. It's, yeah. it's enough. <laughs> yeah. And so Jesus is just 
churning out the food. And, <laughs> and that's the thing, guys, is when God provides, when you yes. allow, when you step out in faith, yeah. you bring what you have, God is always going to do more than enough. Yeah. He's always going to give more than enough. And so remember where, oh, sorry, let me read the last couple verses here. It says, afterwards, um, after everyone was full, they're stuffed. <laughs> Jesus told his disciples, now gather the leftovers so that nothing is wasted. So they picked up the pieces and filled 12 baskets. Joy, remind me, how many disciples are there? Uh, 12, last oh, time I checked. Oh, isn't that, that's a neat number Is that then. coincidence? That's a neat number, isn't it? <laughs> Listen, we could launch off into another story here in just a second about bread. We're not going to. All right, but anyway. Um, so uh, they picked up 12 baskets with scraps left yeah. by the people who had eaten from the five barley loaves. Yeah. So... Again, I just want to go back to where we started. The disciples wanted to leave. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it was the disciples that came to Jesus and said, man, it's been a long it's day. Late. It's, it's getting, getting late. late. Let's, let's, get, let's get this moving. Let's get these people out of here. Uh, it was them that wanted to leave. They were using the crowd mm -hmm. as an excuse mm -hmm. uh, of Jesus, let's go. They were tired, probably hungry, mm -hmm. right? They were probably hungry. Hungry. They'd probably heard a lot of this teaching already. You know, it's probably... Uh, the not, third time they heard the sermon. third time they'd heard the message, Isaac, all right? Isaac listens to my messages three times. The third time, I don't... He doesn't listen anymore, he told me. All right, but they, they'd heard this message before. But Jesus focuses on the crowd. Yeah. True. But then, as if to, to let his disciples know, hey, guys, I haven't forgotten about you. Yeah. Go out there and pick up what's left over. Yeah. Oh, look at that. There's a basket for all of you. Mm -hmm. All of your needs are met as well. He takes care of his disciples. Yes, he does. Even though they might have been tired, even though they might have been hungry going into it, even though they felt like, man, wait, we just, I can't stick around much. We just, we got to go. It, it, it's this thing of he, he, Jesus focuses on the crowd first. Why? Because spiritual needs are more important than physical needs. Mm -hmm. The, the, the needs that the disciples had were physical. Mm -hmm. The needs that the crowd had were spiritual. Yeah. So Jesus said, I'm going to take care of these eternal needs first. Then we're going to take care of the physical needs. And then, hey, just so you know, I got your back. There's something here for you as well. Mm -hmm. And so what's he do is he fills them up. Mm -hmm. He replenishes them as well. Yeah. Uh, and then if the verse, verse 14 is, is when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely he is the prophet we have been expecting. And it says, when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. Um, so it's this thing in, in verse 14, when the people saw him, when they saw Jesus do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, surely He's the prophet we've been expecting. So I kind of go full circle into why yeah, does he do miracles, too, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like that shows right there that here he does a miracle and the reason he's doing it is getting a result. It's 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 these people recognizing maybe the first time 5,000, 10,000, 15,000 people possibly here recognizing Jesus as the prophet that Moses talked about was coming, the Messiah that was coming. So like, that's powerful when you understand mm -hmm. this is not just about lunch. This yeah. is about something so much 
deeper than that. And yeah. to me, that's powerful. It's powerful. Yeah, it all comes yeah. <laughs> back around full circle. I, I, I wrote down some little conclusion points. I don't know yeah. if you have anything. Yeah, or, I had but, just one, yeah. But as we finish, uh, I wrote down I wrote down five. I don't know if there's five in there or not. But, <laughs> and I'm not going to talk about them, so don't worry. It's like, oh, man, it's getting late. Um, listen, this was the first one, going back to the beginning. Because uh, this is a buzzy word, okay? Self-care. It's a buzzy <laughs> word. We got to be all about self-care, self-care, self-care. Yeah. Self-care is good. Don't mishear me. Yeah. I need some self-care. I'm not good about self-care. <laughs> I work myself till I'm like, can't think straight. But self-care is good, but compassion for the lost is better. Yeah. Self-care is good, but compassion for the lost is better. Mm-hmm. We need to be focused on eternity mm-hmm. before we focus on the temporary. Yeah. And we need to be, and so in order to do that, we have to constantly be filling ourselves up spiritually Mm -hmm. so that we are operating out of the overflow Mm -hmm. so that at any given moment, we're ready to react and we're ready to move. Yeah. I think that's an important point. Um, uh, The other point is compassion is about the spiritual first Mm -hmm. and the practical second. Mm -hmm. We need to meet the needs of people spiritually. Mm -hmm. If it's all about the practical, practical is good. Again, the Bible says we need to look after the the widows, the orphans. Like these are the people that we're supposed to minister to and take care of. Listen, every social agency that is out there in the world today, if you read the book of Acts, it started in the church. Mm We, we, were, we were the cutting edge. And, and yes, I admit, like the church has lost its way in a lot of those areas. But we can never lose sight of the fact mm-hmm. that we are not a social service. We are a spiritual service. Right. And so it is spiritual first, practical second. Right. That's the mission that God has called and us and, and put on our hearts. is if we put the priority of the spiritual first, then we're going to also meet the physical. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. And that's it. Like one opens the door yes. to the other. Yes. Uh, the third thing, can't, never, could. <laughs> I know already that's going to be the title of this one. <laughs> <laughs> can't, never, could. Listen, be solution oriented. Yes. All right. Can't, never, could. Be solution oriented, which brings me to number four. Uh, bring what you have, even if it's just a little bit, mm-hmm. and let it be blessed. Mm-hmm. A little blessed. <laughs> we'll go further than nothing. Yes. All right. And then the last point that I had is just take care of others and Jesus will take care of you. Right. That's good. All right. And and for me, and just wrapping it up and looking and saying in that re- reflection or what does this mean for me? Um, just just for, for Philip and that whole, he, he did this to test Philip. If we're looking at the individual lesson here and, and, and he did this to test Philip. I just like I just want to remember that this idea of testing is not a negative thing. A lot of times like I used to go into testing in a negative light of oh no, a test, you know. And so I don't think it it, it doesn't need to be that way, you mm-hmm. know. And this this week I read um a scripture verse it's Psalms 26:2 and it's David. And David was in this place with God where he welcomed testing. Mm-hmm. And that just amazes me. He says, test me, Lord, and try me, examine my heart and my mind. Because what happens is when God tests us and when we allow testing to happen in our life, um, it just reveals truth of what's going on. So, you know, it might have been a little bit hard for Philip once this all played out. And he Mm -hmm. looked back and said, man, I I didn't really respond the way I should have. But you don't have to stay in that negative place. You just receive, you just receive the truth what's in your heart and you move on and you learn from those things. Yeah. 
And so to me, like it makes you stronger in the future for things you're going to face when we, when we get tested, because again, testing uh, really just shows what's in our heart, what yeah. we've learned and what we need to relearn. Yeah. Right. So that stands out to me of just let God test you, let mm. him test you. And then the response of Andrew of, you know, I don't have much, but here's this boy's, here's this boy's lunch. And so it's just this thing of just staying in that place of God. You know, I don't think you need to be, I don't know, everybody's different, but I don't walk around all the time thinking I've got it all together. I have a lot to offer. I don't, I don't feel that way a lot, Yeah. but I think more importantly, it's in this place of God, what I do have, I give to you wholeheartedly. I give to you. So I just, in reflecting on this, um, this miracle it's just that to me, I look at it in that individual way. And so just kind of saying, God, what I have, I give to you mm-hmm. and bless it and use it because look at what he can do. with That's the what he'll do. Amen. That's good. What's the name of that song again? I don't it have is, much. I don't have much. And what is it? Mission House? Mission House? Yeah. Mission House. Check it it's out. Good. We'll put it in the show notes underneath. <laughs> you can check it out in uh, the description below this video or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Again, guys, thank you so much for listening. We hope that you have been blessed by this. Let us know when you read this story, let us know what pops out to you and yeah. what you've heard. Maybe what if you've heard something new. What was your favorite account? Go read yeah. it in all the gospels. And, and yeah, which one, which account? one do you like the best? All right. <laughs> um, and with that said, guys, uh, be come on back next week. We're going to pick up a new bedtime story. We decide we're going to go back and forth between uh, Old Testament, New Testament. So we'll go back into the Old Testament next week and look at uh, another bedtime story. So thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Uh, Be sure to share this with somebody, guys. Uh, We want as many people as possible to hear this, not because we want to be famous, but because we want to make Jesus famous. So help us do that. Share the link to this video. Share the link to the podcast. Tell somebody about it. If you have any questions or a topic that you'd like for us to talk about, you can email us, direct message us, or email us lunchwithpbnj at gmail.com. Leave a comment. And uh, yeah, I think that's it. Bye, guys. Have a great day. (laughs) We'll see you next week on Lunch with PB&J. Bye.